It's good to be together once again as we come out this afternoon. I know your bellies are full and your hearts are prepared to delve into the Word of God and study and glean from the passages. All right, so the job or the task at hand is keep you awake, right? Somebody said if I speak a little louder. I'm just kidding. Matthew chapter 12. Now, I believe this is going to correlate very well with uh, what we did this morning as we looked at the smitten rock. Matthew chapter 12. We will be talking about show me a sign. Everybody wants a sign. Give me a sign. How do we get there? Where do we go? What are we doing? I just need a sign. I remember once upon a time, if you're waiting on a sign, I put on the the sign, if you're waiting on a sign, this is your sign. Uh, it's time to get your life right. Matthew chapter 12, they're talking about signs, a little different type of sign. He said, uh, he said how about miraculous? He said, we want to see something, we want to see something special. Matthew chapter 12, you begin in verse 38. Some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Show me a miracle. You should prove that you are who you say you are. I think it's very interesting as it correlates with this morning's lesson, we want to begin with looking at dictating the terms. Somebody always dictates the terms, okay? When you pull up to the, to the road, there's a T in the road. Generally, there is a stop sign. Why? To encourage the flow of traffic to go safely. So you put up a stop. Some places you put up a yield. Some places you put up a warning. You've got a crossing, a deer crossing. How do the deer know the signs there, right? I'm just kidding. You have signs for a purpose to direct. Somebody dictates how the flow operates. You have a green light or a yellow light. There was a design where somebody made the terms. They dictated the terms. Green means go and yellow means stop. You get back to Matthew chapter 12 and they want a sign. Why? Why do they want a sign? Because their desire, they say, uh, they say teacher, we want to see a sign from you. As to prove who he is. Like, well, by what authority do you do this? How come you can, uh, how come you get to make the rules? That's their question. Why do you get to make the rules? You tell us, why do you get to dictate the terms? And in doing this, in chapter 12 and verse 38, the scribes and the Pharisees go to Christ planning to dictate the terms. Go back to this morning. Moses, when he smoked the rock the second time, he was dictating the terms by which water would be received. Understand very clearly. Christ has always given terms by which we must abide. Okay? When you go back to the rock, there was a term... There was a way in which things were supposed to happen. And when you didn't follow it, you get in trouble. 
you ask Moses, he'd say, that's right. You go to the scribes and the Pharisees and they said, well, let me tell you who's boss around here, Jesus. They said, we'll tell you, you show us a sign and then we'll decide whether or not you are the Christ. And therein lies the problem that continues to today. Too often, people decide that we dictate the terms by which Christ comes to us. Okay? Well, how did you get into Christ? How did Christ become a part of you? Well, I decided that I would say a little prayer. I thought Christ dictates the terms. It started out in Matthew chapter 12. The scribes and the Pharisees said, Jesus, we'll tell you how this is going to go down. And let's see how Jesus replies down in verse 39. He said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He said, you don't come in here and start making rules for me. I'll tell you how this is going to go down. He said, I'll give you a sign, but it ain't on your terms. Jesus makes the rules. Jesus dictates the terms. He always has, and he always will. Within Jesus, in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And listen to what he says. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Whose terms? Christ. He dictates the rules. And so now today we say, well, you know, I just feel like that as long as you do X, Y, Z, Jesus is going to approve. And Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39, he says, you adulterous and evil generation, you seek after a sign. You try to make the rules. You decide how things are going to go down. And let me tell you, I'm still in charge. You know, it's a foolish thing that they come in in verse 38 and they say, they say, hey, Jesus, show me a sign. Why? Go back in, uh, in the previous passage. And as you look, Jesus has very recently, back down in verse 22, one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. Notice what happened. It says he healed him so that the blind and mute both spoke and Saul, it says, and the multitudes were amazed. Said, could this be the son of David? And what'd they say in verse 28? They said, that ain't good enough. They said, let me tell you how to do it, Jesus. You do the sign when I tell you to. You perform a miracle when I ask of it. They said, how about we dictate the terms? If you don't remember anything else from today, remember this. Jesus has never allowed man to dictate the terms. The miracles that were performed bore witness of Christ. You look at John chapter 10 and verse 25, Jesus answered them and said, I told you and you do not believe. He said, the works that I do in my Father's name, listen, they bear witness of me. What were the purpose of those works? They bear witness of me. What's he mean? They say, I am Jesus Christ 
and I don't have to tell you. The scribes and the Pharisees, if you look at Luke chapter 11, were doing nothing other than trying to tempt or to test Christ. In Luke chapter 11, verse 16, it's a correlating passage. It says, they testing him sought a sign from him. They said, let's see if we can catch him. Let's see if we can go ahead and dispute to the, to the crowds. We want the crowds on our side. Why? Because there in Matthew chapter 12, in verse 24... Sorry, in verse 23, they said, could this be the son of David? People were recognizing the signs of Christ bear witness of who he is. And so they come up with this idea, well, can we, uh, we got to do something to make these people not believe. They said, uh, hey, said, Jesus, I want you to do a sign when I tell you to do a sign. Jesus says, you don't make the rules around here. Within the testing Jesus doesn't fall for their tricks. It was no different when Satan took Jesus out as he tries to tempt him. He says, Jesus, let me make the terms. He said, jump. You ain't, nothing's going to happen to you. It is written. What's he say? He, Get away from me, Satan. Stop wasting your time. You don't make the rules. He said, I dictate the terms. All right. The demon-possessed man, blind and, and mute, healed, perfect. He can hear. He can see. I'm sure he had 20-20 vision. If that's not good enough, whatever's better than that, that's what he had. Christ had healed him. He was in his purest form. If you look at Matthew chapter 12, the actions of Christ demonstrate exactly who he is. Compare it in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, in the reading there, if you look at, begin in verse 20. Here it says, When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Here's the question. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Remember earlier in John chapter 10, the works that I do, he said, they bear witness of me. John sends a message. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Verse 21, the very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions and evil spirits and to many blind he gave sight. And here's Jesus' answer. Look at verse 22. Jesus says, go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who is not, fit, who is not offended because of me. All right, this sums it up. What did Jesus say? Did Jesus say, I am the Christ? No, he said, it is written. He said, have you read your Bible? You ever heard about the coming Messiah? He said, this is what's happening. You tell John what's happening and let him figure it out. Go back to the scribes and the Pharisees. What happened back in Matthew chapter 12? They said, okay, we've seen these signs, but that's not good enough. We want you to show us a sign. Man has never, will never, and cannot dictate the terms 
by which we access Christ. Now, as you go back to Matthew chapter 12, I said Jesus said no. Essentially, he said, look, I'm not giving you a sign right now on your terms. But that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't give them a sign. Let's look at the greatest sign that there ever could be. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start there again in verse 39. At the very end, he says, And no sign will be given you, listen, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. All right, first off, he says, you know your history book? You've heard the account and you know it to be true. He said, you remember Jonah? That's your sign. We looked at a type of Christ this morning, the spiritual rock. We look at a type of Christ today, Jonah that was in the belly of the fish. He says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish... He said, so will the Son of Man be. Do they get to see it immediately? Do they see Jesus in the the tomb this day? Nope. He says, you can wait. You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. But it's not on your terms. It's not like you're expecting. But I'll tell you what, hold your breath because you're fixing to be blown away. In fact, you might say, he says, try and stop me. And that's exactly what they tried to do. Christ was going to be raised from the dead on the third day, just as Jonah came back from the belly of the fish. Matthew chapter 12, in verse 40, he he calls it out. Three days and three nights. In the heart of the earth. He's going to be in the heart of the earth. Three days and three nights. Do you think they believed this? Oh, there's no doubt. Look at Matthew chapter 16. And verse 2. Down in Matthew chapter 16, verse 20, sorry. He commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Don't you think it's interesting? John the Baptist comes and they say, uh, okay, are you the coming one? Are you him? And he says, look at the signs. You just tell him what's going on. You go back to uh, Matthew chapter 12. They say, okay, if you're really the Christ, let us tell you how this is going to go down. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll be buried in the earth. Neither time did he say, hey, I'm the Christ, look at me. But he said, follow the signs. You see the facts, believe them and obey. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 20. He says... The disciples tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Why? Why would he say such a thing? He said, don't go tell him that I'm the Christ. Back in John chapter 10, verse 25, he says, the work that I do in my Father's name, what? They bear witness of me. 
You don't have to tell them. They're going to know. The greatest sign that could have ever been given is the sign that Jesus calls out to them. He says, on the third day, the Son of Man will be raised again. Matthew chapter 17, verse 23, it ought to be close. He says, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. He says, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. What do you mean? Why does he mention it so many times? Because of the greatness of the sign. If you understood how monumental it was. Well, how many, how many of our relatives do we look at that, uh, that came back from the grave and walked around and talked to people before, he was, before they were summoned into heaven? It just doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. But within this example, Jesus says, look, I'm going to tell you something that you've never seen before. He said, not only is my, my body not going to be left in the earth, but it was going to be resurrected. It would, uh, it would be raised. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, bears it out again. The third day, Christ would be raised. And now, I'll tell you, that puts them on high alert. Go back to Matthew chapter 27. Following the crucifixion of Christ, they say, all right. I remember what he said. Do you remember what he said? He said that on the third day, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he said, he's going to come forth. Matthew chapter 27. Begin in verse 63. It says, saying, sir, remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, after three days I will arise. Do you think they believed him? To a certain extent they did. And that's where the problem comes in because in verse 64 they said, therefore, let's stop it. Let's put an end to this junk. I'm tired of these people falling around and praising the name of Jesus, saying, I'm a Christian. He says in verse 64, therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Why didn't he say wait till the fourth day? Because it wouldn't have mattered. Jesus said he was going to be raised the third day. If they waited till the fourth day, it was irrelevant. They said, give us three days. You give us three days and it's all pointless. It's worthless. Send them home and Christianity is over. Christ is dead and gone and we have survived. Essentially, they said, we won. Verse 64, he says, Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples... Nothing supernatural is going to take place lest the disciples come and take him by night. They steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead. Because then, so that the last deception will be worse than the first. He said, we can't let that happen. You know them rotten disciples, they've been falling around Jesus. They love him so much, they're going to come and they're going to take his body. He said, I'll tell you what, you block that thing off. You make sure nobody gets into that tomb. The tomb was guarded so they could prevent the greatest sign that ever existed. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Following his resurrection, there had to be a lie that was made for a cover-up. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 11. We remember the soldiers as they stood there. They were in trouble. Their life was in danger because they didn't stand guard. Verse 11, now while they were going, behold, they're going back to make a report. 
Verse 10, they were told, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brethren. Now, verse 11, while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. They said, look, I'll tell you what. I was there and I was standing guard. I was on my best behavior. I drank all my Red Bull. I was ready to stay awake all night, okay? It gave me wings, right? He said, I'm telling you, I work hard and I don't want to die as a guard. I'm good at my job. I've never fallen asleep. He said, but something happened. The tomb was open. The, the body's gone. This angel spoke to me. Notice verse 11. He came into the city and reported the chief priests all the things that had happened. He said, let me tell you. I don't know what else to say. This is what happened. I'm really good at my job. I've never fallen asleep before. He said, but it happened. He said, it's a supernatural event. Verse 12, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him while he slept. He said, if you don't follow through with this plan, as we said was going to happen, this will be detrimental to Judaism forever. Notice they said in verse 14, if this comes to the governor's ears, if he finds out that you're a liar and you're spreading this, do you realize you could die? He said, absolutely. So, well, look, in verse, uh, verse 12, we've got this much money. We want you to hold on to it. He said, and I'll tell you, if the, if the governor finds out, verse 14... We've got your back. We're going to do whatever it takes to appease him so he leaves you alone. He said, this won't be posted in the, in the media. He said, it's going to be hush, hush. You'll never hear another peep. He said, you tell the lie, you take the money and you go home. All right, verse 15. So they took the money, they did as they were instructed. And this saying is still commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Following the greatest sign that the world will ever see was the greatest cover-up that the Jews could come up with. They tried to dictate the terms and then Christ gives them the greatest sign and finally let's notice witnessing the Christ. Back to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Drop down to verse 41. He says, The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. They heard Jonah coming with his message and saying, Guys, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. How many people did Jonah heal? How many mute did Jonah make hear or speak? How many lame men rose up and walked? He says in verse 41, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. He said, let me tell you. He said, Nineveh is going to put you all to shame. 
When they heard the message of the Lord, they didn't try and dictate the terms. They didn't say, look, I'll tell you what we're willing to do. We're going to give 20 shekels of silver. We're going to bow on our faces for three days. And you're going to forgive us. Did they do that? Go back and read the story in Jonah. They gave their hearts, they changed their lives, and they prayed and fasted. And God said, I appreciate you. He said, I appreciate your heart. If you go back to Jonah, they were forgiven. What? Those terrible people? Yeah. That's right. Those terrible people. Now notice Matthew chapter 12, verse 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with, the generate, with this generation and condemn it. He said, you saw Christ firsthand and you didn't choose to obey. You were delivered from Egypt this morning. You were delivered out of Pharaoh's wrath. Out from underneath his thumb. He said... And you're going to die in the wilderness because your heart still wasn't with me. What's God want? He wants the heart. He wants you to give his all. People who had heard the Christ and seen his miracles have no reason to doubt. They ought to obey. There's no other choice within seeing everything that had been done. Within witnessing the Christ, they had the opportunity to see the miracles back in chapter 12 and verse 23. When Jonah taught in Jonah chapter 3, they heed the message. You get down to verse 10, God repented, meaning he, he forgave them. He didn't, he didn't end up destroying them. Why? Because of their heart and their change. You know repentance today? Change of heart followed by a change of action. Notice the following phrase, verse 42. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and will condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Aw. She said, okay, I've been hearing about this guy. He's very impressive. Every story I've heard, this dude is wise. Not only is he wise, but he's rich and he's powerful. She said, let me tell you, I want to go see firsthand. All right, let's make the comparison. Back in verse 38, the scribes and the Pharisees, they've heard of the signs, they've seen some firsthand. And what do they say? You're going to have to do something else for us. It's not good enough. Can we dictate the terms? Can we tell Christ how it's going to go down? I tell you, you cannot. You get down to verse 42 and he says, And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Solomon was great in his day. Wealthy, wise. He had everything, or so you would think. People were flocking in. You look at all the gifts that the Queen of the South brought when she came. You look at 1 Kings chapter 10. And read through the account. We see everything she brings with him, brings with her to give him. She got to see firsthand. And it says, look, 
she's going to condemn you sorry jokers because you saw Jesus. And I tell you today that as you look at Matthew chapter 12, we aren't sitting there and seeing Jesus perform the miracle firsthand. But you got the proof. As you get to see the facts, hey, that's pretty impressive what they did in Nineveh. That's pretty impressive about the Queen of the South. But what about you? How do you look at it, understanding that we see all the proof that Christ did? You know what? I've got God's holy, inspired word that I get to study from and read. And now I'm accountable based on the fact that I had that. He said, the one that spoke to you was greater than Solomon. He said in verse 41, the one that spoke to you is greater than Jonah. And you're going to be judged according to the opportunity that you had. John chapter 20. As we come to a close. John chapter 20. That's right, wake back up. John chapter 20, we're almost done. Verse 30 and 31, he says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this, which are not written in this book. He says, but in verse 31, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. A greater than Jonah is here. A greater than Solomon is here. We have the word to study from and to believe and obey. And I beg of you, don't try and dictate the terms. By which you have access to Christ. You know, I think it's interesting in Mark chapter 4 and verse 9, among many other places, he says... He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. You know what that means? You decide what you're going to do with it. You've seen the greatest sign. You've seen people try and tell Jesus how they're going to come to him on his terms. You saw Moses try and change the way it works. He was punished for it too. The question is today, are you going to do it on God's terms? If you haven't given your life to Christ, I honestly don't understand why not. As you look at everything that's been done, as you look at the promise, man, as you look at verse 39 and 40, the greatest sign that was ever given... I question, why would we choose to do anything else? If you haven't given your life to Christ, understanding that Jesus died, he was buried, 
that he rose again, I encourage you to do the same thing. Put yourself to death. Give up on sin and say, I'm out of the sinning business. Be buried in the watery grave of baptism and rise to walk in newness of life. If you haven't done that, make a change right now as we stand and sing.